This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am back, and I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 30th, episode 2530, brought to you today by Stateline Tack. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. We're going to talk to Farrier Steve Krause and talk about the Palmer angles, what they are, why they're important, why are they important. Plus, we're going to have the Canine Health Minute, some good horsey news, and some weird world news. So here you go. Glenn, you're back. I'm back. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I, to add to all of my other health problems this year, I had a, got a massive sinus infection and then I uh, had to go to the doctor for antibiotics. And you know what's scary this year? And you even wrote to me and asked, I, I ended up with a fever, a, a pretty high fever for about two days. And when you get a fever now, you right away think COVID. I mean, that we're just so ingrained this year to think, oh, no, I have COVID. But uh doctor didn't think so. Said, You know, what's amazing is that um, it's a good thing with that fever. You didn't go mattress shopping because they wouldn't have let you in. Because I went furniture shopping the other day. I went to a mattress store and then to a furniture store. And were the they mattress store, they took your temperature really? before you walked in. Well, yeah, it was a mattress like, store. You're laying on crap, right? Yeah, so. I was like cool with that. And then, but they like held that thing up. And then we went to the to the furniture store. And I said, aren't you going to take our temperature? Because it was right next door. And they were like, oh, no, we have an infrared sensor when you walk in the door checking temperatures. Really? What? How much did At that cost? At the furniture store? At the furniture store. I almost felt like he might have been lying. There's like, no world or the airport I could believe that, but the furniture store? A ginormous furniture store here. And guess what? I walked in and didn't buy a thing. So, Oh, you didn't buy a mattress <laughs> or any furniture? I bought nothing, Glenn. <laughs> nothing. I remember us talking about your mattress when we first started this show. You had like a 25-year-old mattress and couldn't sleep, and I finally begged you to get a new mattress. Yes. <laughs> We did. And, and now it's time to replace it again. That's how long we've been doing this show. <laughs> hey, I speaking of which, I want to wish everybody a happy International Podcast Day, uh, especially to all the hosts here on the Horse Radio Network, to my partner, Jamie and Jennifer and everybody, uh, and to all our fellow podcasters around the world. There are now, <laughs> get this, are you sitting down? 1.4 million different podcasts. How many podcasts Apple. were there before COVID? Oh, I, it's gone up like uh, 300,000. <laughs> I mean, everybody's like, I'm a, but, hey, so if it's International Podcast Day yes. and I'm a podcaster, does that mean that Chad's supposed to like give me a present? I think so. I think we should get cake at least, you know. I something. mean, seriously. Ice cream, give cake, me something. something. Yeah, anyway, uh, especially us. I mean, we've been doing this a long time. 
So yeah, it's uh, they they're doing 24 hours of programming with podcasters from around the world, uh, and I'm not doing it this year. Usually, I join in on that conversation, but I've declined almost everything. It's internationalpodcastday.com/live if you want to check out some other podcasters. And I know we were supposed to have a special show with a bunch of different podcasters yesterday, and I had everything lined up, but I just couldn't do it. So, well, we'll do one here coming up. I know you guys enjoy when I get other podcasters on occasionally. We do have a story about how far we've come in podcasting, and Jamie will remember this. She probably doesn't remember the guy's name. Do you remember Marty Bowman? Do you remember who that is? Yeah, he's uh, he, Marty is kind of the liaison for media with horsey news yeah, he's for the, horse shows. For the horse shows, especially Rolex, right, when it was Rolex. Uh, the big Kentucky event. He was he's the one in charge of all the media and and also giving out press credentials. Well, when we first asked for press credentials ten actually twelve years ago now, uh they did they denied us because they, they didn't we weren't real media. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, now they email us going, Are you gonna come this year? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> Marty now treats me when I go to these things with a lot of respect. I mean, you saw it. I mean, the first year we wanted to set up there and record ten years ago at, at Rolex, uh, they were like appalled that we would ask for anything. And now they're begging to set the stuff up for us. It's a whole different story in 10 years. It, it, the world has changed when it comes to podcasting. And, you know, there's 1.4 million podcasts, but it's interesting. The really active ones, there's only about 300,000. So, uh, and what they mean really active is produced episodes within the last 90 days. And I think a lot of the new ones that started in COVID are going to be gone. They're just come and go. So, yeah, but we haven't. We're still here. We're still fighting the battle thanks to our sponsors and our, our terrific listeners from around the world. You know, the other day I said uh, when I'm healing, I would really like whoopie pies. Remember the whole whoopie pie conversation? Yeah, the fact that I said you're having part of your colon removed, <laughs> I don't think whoopie pie is a very you know, good idea. No, it is. I'm, I'm supposed to eat all soft stuff for two weeks, and they're very soft. So I think that qualifies. Uh, especially if you microwave them. And, well, no, don't microwave them. They'll probably turn into <laughs> no, little bricks. They'll turn into bricks. I don't so, know what a whoopie pie is, but it it's sounds cake. It's like really cake terrible. with uh, really sweet icing in the middle. Uh, uh, and uh, I've had three listeners now offer to send me whoopie pies. So I think I'm going to be stocked with whoopie pies. Uh, so thank you to all of you. I appreciate it. Uh, Don't do it, you guys. So Send him an apple. A <laughs> Happy banana. International Podcast Day. On that note, there was something posted today, and this really applies to International Podcast Day. We can't do this without our sponsors. Uh, Jamie doesn't want to work for free, and neither do I, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I feel like I practically do, but that's not the <laughs> issue today. <laughs> Although I have noticed your checks have been going up thanks to the thanks to the auditors every I month. Know, I love you, you guys. They're getting bigger. Yeah, and it is Auditor Day, too, where the where your payments come out, so be prepared. Uh, but one of the listeners posted in there that she ordered something from one of our sponsors and made sure to tell the sponsor that she heard about it on our show and encouraged other auditors to do the same thing. That does help. That is one thing. If you're going to buy something from one of our sponsors, either post it in the comment section of the order or better yet, go over and put it on their Facebook page. Put a note on their Facebook page. Hey, I just placed an order on on your site today, and I, I want to let you know I heard about it in the Horse Radio Network. That is the most effective and free thing that you can do uh, okay. to, to help us out. 
<clears throat> That's awesome. Um, while you're finger keyboarding, you know, uh, and sending out information, I would like to admit something. And Glenn, I've been kind of going behind your back Uh-oh. to do this. And I've been doing it for about six years now. And if you go on to the message part of where I've been sending this message, it's just, you know how like when you send a Facebook message, and then a year later, you send another one, you can still see your last one. And I think there's 25 unresponded to Facebook messages on Tom Burlingson's Facebook page. Okay. I have, I have emailed his agents. I have emailed <laughs> him. I have emailed his official Facebook page. I've emailed probably people that do- are not even connected with him uh, for years. For those who don't know, Tom Burlingson is the star of the man from Snowy River, return to Snowy River and Farlap. Isn't okay. He like I mean- 90 by now. No, he, but the problem is he got all famous doing Australia's Got Talent. And then like, he's not even doing that anymore. What's he doing? Where is he? Why is he not answering my messages? I mean, I've been, I emailed his agent like a month ago. I just don't understand why. So I would like to sick the auditors on this. Find me a way to get a hold of John Burlington. For God's sake, I have to talk to him. I have so many questions Um, and I'm sure he probably doesn't want to talk about a movie he made 30 years ago, so but I don't tired care. Of that movie. I don't care. I mean, I have heard rumors like he learned to ride like on the set and that just seems impossible galloping down a hill like that and, and doing all the trick riding and the start riding. I just have so many questions. Tom Burlingson needs to get a hold of me or answer my messages or at least somebody answer a message that might know him. He's 68, by the way. I, uh, wonderful. He's probably retired and has <laughs> nothing else to do but answer my questions for real. And while get you're at it, uh, by God, get on my show. We'll How add him to the list with Kaylee Kuko, who we still haven't gotten on either. I feel like she's a little more relevant than he is. <laughs> I, I just, I feel like he should have more time. And no disrespect, Tom, because I, I'm sure he's listening. I absolutely love you. And I have. That's why she wants you on the show. First ever crush. Okay. I love you. And I think that you're wonderful. And I really need to talk to you. (laughs) Well, it took us till he was 80 to get Charlie Daniels on. So maybe another 20 years he'll agree. No, I can't (laughs) wait that long. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for listening to all the podcasts that you do and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Now it's time for some. <laughs> and the email sponsors and Tom. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. What is that when uh, spouses, they go to court and get a, a piece of paper that says you can't come near me? What's that called? Restraining order. Yeah. Have you gotten any from Tom yet? No, <laughs> nothing. I've heard nothing. Back. I mean, even that would be something. <laughs> You can hang that on your wall. All right, we got uh, my daily winnies or a couple of these. Happy birthday to Casey Berger and Maggie Herlinsky. Herlinsky. So happy birthday Herlinsky. to both Herlinsky. Oh my God. Herlinsky. Oh, Herlinsky. Yes. Thank you. Hurling Sky. All of a sudden, you've got a native name. <laughs> I think mine's better, actually. Hurling Sky. Hurling Sky or Hurlinski. <laughs> One of those. I heard Jennifer did a good job pronouncing names on Monday. Uh, yeah, she- it's like, how are you guys married? <laughs> Cassie Barger. <laughs> 
Um, a little part of me died this morning when I was searching for weird news and I saw this story and I just thought it needed to be a daily. What about the debate last night? (laughs) Oh God, nobody gets a winning for that. I made it six minutes. Okay. (laughs) Wait a minute. Can I play something for the debate last night? Because I think we all agree on this Republican, Democrat, independent or whatever. (laughs) Man. You are one pathetic loser. And that goes to everybody. <laughs> I sat my son down and I'm like, we're going to watch history being made. We're going to watch this political debate that could be just, um, I mean, I really, I think the American people have questions that they need answered. They did not get those answers. <laughs> Enough. Moving on. Okay. So e- I read this headline, Evil Knievel's son sues Disney over Toy Story 4 character. How is this just now happening? But do you rem- did you see Toy Story four? I'm sure I did. I don't remember it, but yeah. Well, there's a um a guy, uh, Keanu Reeves voices this little guy that drives a motorcycle, and his name is Duke Kaboom. Oh yes, yes, yeah. And and that. so they are currently <coughs> now suing them because it was too much like Evil Knievel. It's disrespect. Evil Knievel did not thrill millions around the world, break his bones, and spill his blood just so Disney could make a bunch of money. Well, what? I don't know how. I mean, I mean, yes, it's. I mean, Evil Knievel has not been the only motorcycle stunt person in history either. Exactly. This might be opening up a flood of lawsuits to Disney. But anyway, I. I hey, mean, we might get know, sued for being fake, like radio personalities. I would like to contest that. I am a real radio person. <laughs> Okay. Uh, anyway, no, I don't know who should win. I just thought it was worth mentioning that Duke Kaboom is going to court. <laughs> Jeez. All right. A uh, couple of uh, positive news stories after last night. I think the, I think the country needs something. Uh, first, I wanted to mention the schedule starting next week. There'll be no live shows starting next Monday in October. We'll have shows for you every day, but you'll just have to look at your podcast feeds for Horses in the Morning. No live shows because of surgery and just it would be too difficult to do. So there will be shows. Just look in your podcast feeds um, starting next Monday. Governor Larry Hogan proclaimed October as Maryland Horse Month. Maryland's always pretty good at acknowledging horses every year. And uh, in support of that, the Maryland Horse Industry Board will lead targeted marketing strategies to highlight statewide attractions, events, activities, trails, exhibits, and experiences. Uh, they, I think they do this almost every year. They're also going to be doing stuff on MarylandHorse.com, some live streaming broadcasts and education and stuff. So good on Maryland for acknowledging horses every year. Good job. And of course, there is something coming up this weekend in Maryland. Do you know what that is? Uh, I'm not up on my Maryland to do. The Preakness is this weekend. Oh, duh. Yeah. So it's 145th How could I not know that the Preakness was going to be in October? (laughs) Duh. How could I have forgotten? 545 on Saturday, October 3rd. And it's the uh, 145th of running. And of course, uh, this year, of course, it's the third leg of the Triple Crown, but there'll be no Triple Crown winner because, uh, you know, uh, Tis the Law won Belmont and Authentic won the Kentucky Derby. And Authentic, it will be running, though, in this race this weekend. So Tis he's, the Law is waiting for the Breeders' Cup, by the way. Yes, which is only a couple weeks later, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> 
13 horses have won the Triple Crown, but 11 horses have uh, won the Kentucky Derby and then the Preakness when it was done in normal order and then lost to the lost in the Triple Crown. It seems like it'd be more than 11. It seems like every year we'd go the first two and then we'd wait for the Triple Crown and they'd lose. But uh, so this is a little different year. For, I don't know if they're having fans or not. I didn't read that this weekend. Uh, also, uh, one good thing happened in Congress. Yes, yeah, something good happened there. Uh, Paul Tanko's, who we've had on the show before, his bill for the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act actually passed the House of Representatives yesterday. Uh, now it heads over to the Senate, and there's somebody behind it that's very important, and that's uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Uh, so he's actually in favor of it, bipartisan favor support over there so we might actually see and what this is going to do is set up a regulatory system for all racing in the united states right now we have 38 separate jurisdictions mostly by state and this will put them all under for anti-doping and it'll put the u.s anti-doping agency the same people who are in charge of other sports and the olympics will be in charge of anti-doping control and Everything for racing as well as other uh, other things. They talked about whip regulation and all of that. So this is a positive thing. Maybe yeah. we'll see it go through this year. I don't know, but at least it went through one step. Also, a lot of, another bit. Let of, me let me back up yeah. because I have some 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 information. Uh, you are incorrect about the eleven horses have won the Derby and the Preakness, but lost at Belmont. It's actually twenty three. Oh. Eleven horses have won the Derby and the Belmont. So uh, you were close, okay. but it did seem like a low number. So yeah, yeah 23 horses have won the Derby and Preakness and then failed. Yeah, because it seemed like every year we were just, <laughs> yeah. we were waiting for the Belmont to come, waiting for the, and we were always disappointed. Uh, oh, good. Thanks for that correction. Appreciate it. Uh, I love to correct you. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> That's something that hasn't changed in 10 years. Uh, the other thing is, remember the horse that uh, the Dreadhead Cowboy was riding down the Dan Ryan Expressway in Chicago uh, when he got arrested, causing yeah, all the galloping ch- yeah, horse down you yeah. know the freeway. And we thought the they were going to have to put the horse down. Well, apparently it is recovering now, and it looks like it might make it. Oh, so good. that's a bit of good news. Thank God for that. Uh, so that's my uh, that's my stories of good news for today. And you, uh, there was a video you posted on your. Tell everybody what the page is again. Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, certified Monty Roberts instructor. You had a video, you had a picture of one, a horse that was rearing up on you, and then you had a video of you riding it, uh, which is not uncommon. I mean, that's pretty much every horse you get in. But this one especially, what was its name again? His name is Malachi. Malachi. He's a 14-hand quarter horse, and he came to me to be started from his owners who got him when he was six months old. And Malachi had no idea what the word no meant or do this or please do this or come forward or a very a horse that you would pick up the rope and try to pull him forward. And his response was to rear. And his response has been kind of to rear to everything he hasn't wanted to do. And, uh, so he's been here for three weeks and I started him. I finally sat on him about 10 days ago. And yesterday we were trotting around the arena. So I know. Really I saw happy. that. It was yeah. And by the way, you don't look too big. <laughs> he, looks, he looks. Yeah. It turns out I appropriately fit a fourteen-hand <laughs> horse. 
And Abby, uh, so I have, I, I really love a good saddle horse gelding to help you start a horse. Well, I was going to, I was going to mention that you did have, uh, you had a, you had a companion horse in the ring with you. Have you tried him without the companion horse at this point? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay. I don't want to die. Um, so <laughs> the, the, the way that it worked is a couple of days ago, we put Duke in the round pen with him. <clears throat> and because the, the thing is like a horse that likes to say no like that doesn't want, when you get on them, he, he doesn't want to move. He's a very like end of pressure horse. When he feels pressure, he just stops or pops straight up. So, um, one of the things I was like, you put a nice, good, steady saddle horse, which is the Duke. And it doesn't matter. He could be chewing on his tail. Duke does not care. He just goes about his job. And so we started trying to get him to follow another horse. So he would move because otherwise Abby's having to lead me around on him, which he leads now, but he didn't understand how to, what leg pressure meant. So I've worked really hard teaching him the voice commands. That means go. Uh, and then you get on him, but he still would like, when you add leg, he would just kind of shut down. So it was a, it's a really big deal to be able to get him to trot around the arena. I mean, just from the, this, I haven't posted all the, the struggles, which just trying to get him to move, move off pressure. Um, but it has been. And so yesterday I was really, really proud to have him trotting around the arena and is now starting to understand what gives pressure means. I've done it on his side. You know, I would go to push on his side and he would just lean into me as hard as possible. So now I can push on the side and he moves away and gives to pressure there. So then we transpose that onto his back and uh, put the leg on little, just a inner calf, you know, not like kicking him with my heels and he would start slowly start to move forward with them. So to get him trotting around was awesome. So we'll do that for another day or two. And then hopefully I'll just be able to take him out there and he'll start to understand it. The put the thing with these horses is just, and all horses that are being started is you just do it as incremental as possible. So you know, it was leading me around on him and then following Duke. And at some point he would stop and she would clip on the, the halter that he wears under his bridle and she would lead me and then unclip and we keep going. And then we moved to the arena and then we moved to unclipping and then we moved to trotting. And anyway, it's just been like one little stair step. So it's building uh, confidence day. and trust. I mean, basically. That's it. That's yeah. the magic part. You know, you have to, you can't introduce, if you introduce pain into training, you are going to lose. So by figuring out, like, I feel like if he would have gone to a cowboy who was like, just get on him and kick him, you know, I, I it would have ended poorly, um, especially with this idea of that rearing was the way to get out of things. And, and that's effective I mean, for... You know, that is an effective way to get out of things. If you're, if you're somebody yeah. doesn't, is not real trained, you're going to, that'd be effective. <laughs> yeah. You're going to, you're going to get, somebody who's going to get hurt. So uh, we've <clears throat> just gone really slow with them. Although, you know, slow is fast and fast is slow. Sure. I could have like put a whip on him and got him to move forward on day one, but I wouldn't have had a willing horse moving forward like he did yesterday. You know, so I, I was just really, I'm really pleased with how far he's come in, in such a short time. Again, I do slow things every day, but it incrementally, exponentially gets better every day too. Now, the other horse that I have in training is, is an, <clears throat> he's a challenge because he is a horse that has uh, really big ankles. He's got oscillates and we're going to cover that in an episode coming up. Um, but they're kind of, it's racetrack jewelry, they call it. And it, it's not affecting his joints at all, but he has really big fetlocks and again, <clears throat> not affecting the joint, but 
His problem is he's been at the rescue for over a year because the people see him and they look at his ankles and they're like, oh, never mm. mind. And they move past it. So Nelda from Horse and Hounds just really wants him to have a good home. She's like, he just, it's time for him to have a home. So she sent him to me for training and oh my gosh, he is such a dream on the ground. His ground manners are impeccable. And then you put that saddle on and he starts to poop, you know, and then like you walk him out to the rump and he's like, oh God. And then you get on him and he just chomps at the bit, jump, 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 jump. And he's just, a ten- he's just so tense. And so I just feel so bad he, for him. It hurts or? I don't think he hurts. I think he's just. No, he, well, he he's very sensitive yeah. and I think he thinks he's got a race and he just like, there's just so mm. many, I've started treating him for ulcers. We have a Mariel sent over a bunch of Amiprazole and Gastrogard for all these horses, which is awesome. Um, so he's on that. And I just think lowering his anxiety. So my rides on him, I'll ride him twice a day and I'll tack him up, get on him, walk him around the arena and get off and do it again later. You know, and so I'm hoping that by doing the two a days like that, uh, it'll really start to make him understand. Like when he gets back in the stall, oh, that well, wasn't was so bad. So yeah. bad. Yeah. Why am I so worried about it? And one of these days, I'm going to bring him out. He's not going to poop on the way out to the to the arena, and he's just going to be okay, <sighs> calm. You know, but it's a work in progress. So I'll keep you guys posted. I'll be so excited that day that he goes out there and just walks. Okay, no big deal. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, this morning woke up and for the first time here in Florida, we went under 60 degrees. Oh, we hit the 50s. Crap. It was so nice out this morning after having the heat for all this time. Six months worth of heat and it was so nice. But that also means that you up north are going to get really cold really quick and you're going to need some blankets. Head on over to statelinetac.com right now. They have nine pages of blanket deals anywhere from waterproof sheets to medium turnouts to heavy turnouts for all of our canadian listeners and those that live up in the northern parts uh and they have a lot of them on sale right now i think they have some of last year's models i'm looking at an amigo here turnout sheet that they have marked down from 144 dollars to 72 dollars uh now i'm I'm sure they're going to be limited sizes on some of these uh, other sales but most of this stuff and it's rhinos and amigos uh, and Weatherbeta and all these different blankets, uh, most of them are 10%, uh, 40%, 21% off. You're going to need them. You might as well head on over right now to buy them. And if your blanket's to the point where if you wash it one more time, it's just going to come out in pieces from the washing machine, maybe head on over to State Line Tack right now. They still have their 30% off deal, too. I don't know if that applies to – I assume it does. Uh, let's give it a try anyway. So – they, Is there a coupon code HRN for no, State Line Tech? Uh, no, I think it would be a better deal to use the one they have on the website. Oh, yeah, I get it. Uh, so you don't need to do that, but then tell them that you, you heard about it from us. Uh, but they have everything in here. They have literally nine pages of deals, Rambos, Rhinos, uh, Kensington, all, all the different blanket brands. You're going to find them all there right now at State Line Tech, waiting for you to buy them to get ready for the winter. Yes, oh, it's coming. Today's uh, Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you will all love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. 
a part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all. The latest episode is about vaulting horses, and it is an award winner. It won the Best Podcast Award last year, hosted by Lisa Wysocki. And I know you talked about this on Monday, but I wasn't here, and I also got a sneak preview of what's in the book coming up, Lisa's new book, Cat and Write Book. And mm-hmm. we are in it. It's like a big commercial for horses in the morning. And you. It's for both. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. I you, mean, but you are a major part in this book. But uh, I would like to point out that Zeus has a very large part in it. As he well, does. So I was surprised. Yeah. I'm really, I don't care about me. I love my horse being uh, immortalized in a book at my naughty Mustang. <laughs> so it's fantastic. So. But also, you you come off as, I think we're allowed to say this, you come off as a badass in this book. I was, I said this on the show. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I kicked some guy in the nuts. So I'm <laughs> thrilled. At, and I just really liked the writing. Like she just, it was like really quick um dialogue and it just was really really good you know she, because we read the first book cat uh, Enright book on the show and you know when you do the first of something you're having to kind of explain everything a little slower this book was so quick and like moving and i really uh, i can't have out? read do all know? of it do we know exact date well, why don't you book Lisa to come on and talk about it? I'll, I'll have to. when <laughs> Definitely when it comes out, we'll have her on. But we're going to have yeah. to. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, it, it is also a big commercial for us. So thank you, Lisa. We love you. Thank you for that. All right. Let's get to uh, our guest, of course, uh, Farrier Steve Krause of Cornell University. Steve's been on the show many, many times before. And I, to be honest, you guys, I have no idea what we're talking This is beyond me. Uh, I don't know what uh, Palmer angles are. It sounds like something I flunked in high school. In shop class? Yeah, or math class, trigonometry or one of those, geometry. You know what these are? Palmer angles? I, I You cut out for just a second. Do you know <clears throat> what these are, Palmer angles? I have no idea. Well, uh, yes, I do. Oh. But Hello. There he is. Hey, Steve, how are you? You're on with Glenn and Jamie and Horses in the Morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Now, uh, Glenn is over here telling me he doesn't know what we're talking about today. I have no so, idea um, what this is. <laughs> so let's explain it to everybody. What is, we're going to talk about Palmer angles. What is a Palmer angle? Okay. So the simple version is uh, if we look at the side view of the horse standing alongside him, and if we're looking at the front uh, limb, we're referring to the Palmer angle. And if we're looking at the hind limb, we're referring to the plantar angle. So we'll start with the front limb, okay? And as we look at the horse or if we look at a radiograph of the horse of standing of the lower limb, we can see um, the coffin bone on a radiograph um, and the uh, line from the bottom of the coffin bone to the ground is the Palmer angle. Whereas the line that goes from the coronary band down the front of the hoof to the ground would be your dorsal angle or your hoof angle. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So So it's actually more important to the horse on what the Palmer angle is. And think of when you think of Palmer, think of your palm going face down to the ground. And Mm -hmm. so your, your palm of your hand, the line between your hand and the ground, can either be parallel, you can raise it up to a positive angle, or you can lower it backwards to a negative angle. 
So that's another way to visualize it. So why is the Palmer angle important? Okay, so that gives us a true understanding, especially if we have an x-ray and farriers uh, have to develop x-ray eyes that they don't um, uh, have quick access to a radiograph machine. But if you see a lot of radiographs of the side view, the lateral view of the horse, you develop a little sense of horses that have uh, what their palmer angle is, as opposed to it's very easy to determine what the hoof angle is because you could see, you know, whether the horse is upright or or a or, or low heel, long toe horse. You can put a hoof gauge on the front and get somewhat of a reading there, and it, that could be important for shoeing standard bred horses and so on. But the Palmer angle actually tells us what the orientation of the coffin bone is, and that has more of a direct link to uh, upcoming soundness problems and, and, and things you can do to help that. So can you see just by being a layman on the, the side of the horse, if I, can I walk to the side of my horse and be like, you know what? He does not have a good Palmer angle. Like how could I see that from just being next to my horse? That's, that's, that's really hard. Um, you have to see a lot of horses and, and a lot of uh, lateral radiographs. But if a horse has uh, that uh, very upright foot, let's say, uh, it's likely, you know, like a, if, if you were to measure the front of the foot uh, with a, a hoof gauge and a horse that's very upright is above 55 degrees on that angle and probably approaching 60, like what we call a club foot. Most of those horses will have a, a very steep palmer angle also, which is probably above six degrees from from flat. So six to 10 degrees on that bottom hoof angle uh, we, that would correspond if, if the coffin bone was parallel to the, the front wall of the foot. Um, whereas a horse with a very long toe, low heel probably has a flat or negative palmer angle. He's actually crushing backwards. Um, so those horses lose a lot of digital cushion, which is very important. Um, to the, the soundness uh, of the horse and, 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 and how the hoof is nourished and so on. So, uh, you know, usually a, a very, so that's the two extremes that mm -hmm. you can probably easily see. So right we've got it. I was going to say, we got a club foot, which range, would, it's harder to see. So, so a club foot we would see because they're kind of like the angle is uh, broken a little forward and then a long toe, low heel, Correct. the horse would be a little bit broke back in that angle and, and, and putting a little too much stress on its heel. Um, both of those are fairly common, uh, especially with, I deal with a lot of off the track thoroughbreds. What are some of the Correct. ways to fix that? Because it can't be healthy for what's inside the hoof. Correct. Yeah. That, yeah. As you get a, away from normal, in normal uh, Palmer angle would be anywhere from three to six degrees on that bottom hoof angle to the ground. Anything lower than, say, three degrees, we call a low Palmer angle or, or a flat Palmer angle is parallel to the ground and a negative Palmer angle, which is actually falling, you know, drooping backwards. Whereas if anything above like six degrees is considered a high Palmer angle. So what we can do, uh, and, and, and there's various ways, and, and they're different for, you know, different, um, you know, which, which extreme you're on here. With the low Palmer angles, which is, I think, uh, one of the biggest problems that you see, 
Uh, you can do some type of frog support to help uh, kind of boost that. Uh, depending upon, again, every one of them is different, uh, some type of properly placed uh, heel wedge can help. Uh, but again, properly placed. If you don't place these correctly, you actually create more of a problem. And uh, often the shoes are too short when they do this. And now you've created a fulcrum that the horse is actually falling backwards on even further, making that palmer angle that you think you're boosting up, you're actually making it worse because the fulcrum is too far ahead of, of the, the downward force of the leg. So it's kind of tricky. You really have to pay attention to what's going on before you start putting wedges on these horses. But some type of frog support, certainly um, shortening the toe, uh, whether it be by trimming and uh, using shoe modifications like a rolled toe, all is ways we work on this. So what about the horse with the club foot? I mean, you know, I'm sure that a pretty picture would be to just whack off that heel, but that's going to cause a lot of problems. Well, you can do that. And, and that's, again, a lot of confusion on this. You can take that heel off because when you have these excessively high heel club feet, that heel is not going straight down. It's, it's migrating forward. Uh -huh. And so, again, you've got a fulcrum that's in the wrong place underneath the leg. And so if you take, uh, if you trim all the excess heel off, and again, there's guidelines to do that with that you know, only a professional should be uh, doing, then you have moved that base of support back under the leg. And that's where you can put a wedge also to, because now you have a lot of tension on the deep flexor tendon. Mm -hmm. So you remove the excess heel and then you replace it with a wedge. And that sounds, well, why would we do that? But it's where the base of support is that's important, not the fact that we have a wedge on or not. If the base of the support is further back and supporting the leg, there's too much tension with on the deep flexor without the wedge pad. And so in some of these horses, if you do this over time, you can grow a better hoof on that foot and it won't be as extreme. It may be somewhat more normal over time. Is this... This. So that's why God. you don't want to, well, you take the high-low horse that usually has a negative palmer angle on one foot and a steep palmer angle on the other, you don't want to make these feet match. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to work on each one of them separately. Now, this sounds like something that a, you know, a guy advertising his farrier services on Facebook, you know, may not know. Like, is this common farrier knowledge or does this require a more extensive education? Oh, definitely more extensive education. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I just went in a nutshell what we may do, but what we actually do is more complicated. Right. And there's right. a few other versions of it. And it takes a little experience to, you know, do it in a way that's helpful for the horse. So how can I, how can I make sure that I'm finding a good, properly trained farrier that would say, I have a club foot or, a, you know, it's something. Uh, how can I make sure that the person I have knows what they're doing? Well, the simple method is word of mouth of, you know, uh, satisfied clients that have uh, used this individual and have had problems dealt with, you know, usually, you know, uh, testimonial type stuff. It's always the, probably the best way of, of finding people, you know, who you can give references to. I've worked on this kind of horse successfully. 
And then um, I'm a member of the American Farriers Association as well as the American Association of Professional Farriers. And they both are very, very big on this type of continuing education. So anybody who is, uh, has put themselves into this category has spent some time learning about what they're doing more than just nailing a shoe on. So that's uh, quite often a very good reference right there that if you have a, someone who's a member of these associations. Awesome. Fantastic. So again, that's AFA and AFPA, I think is what you said. The AAPF. AAPF. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Both have very good, very, very good websites. Fantastic. Um, well, again, Steve, as always, thank you for coming on and thanks for coming on such short notice and delivering this speech. I think it's so important. I mean, the, the, this is the foundation of what our horses are based on, you know, no hoof, no horse. So th these angles are very important. Glenn, are you starting to understand a little bit about what we're talking about or were you not? I need attention? pictures, Steve. I need okay. you to show me pictures. Yeah, pictures. I, I, as I was asked to do this, I was Wishing I could have a like a chalkboard, a slideshow, draw yeah. some of this for you. <laughs> and but but I think people in in closing, I think people are too hung up on the hoof angles, um, and and don't understand the palmer angles, which they should actually be worried a lot more about than what the the front hoof angle is. And we see a lot of people wanting to make sure you put a hoof gauge on and make sure they're the same and what's his angles and all that. And a lot of that stuff really doesn't mean that much compared to what the Palmer angles are and the orientation of the coffin bone. So if you want to see your farrier sweat, ask him about the Palmer angles of your horse the next time they're there and see is what the reaction is. And if they don't sweat, then you know, you got a good one. That's Perfect. right. <laughs> uh, well, if they understand, you know, they're thinking of that rather than just the outside of the foot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's a really educational Facebook page. Cornell Farrier Program has a Facebook page. Go search for that. Uh, and um, Steve is always on there posting and, and doing some really kind of interesting cases and amazing things. So it's uh, Steve Krause, Certified Journeyman Farrier at the Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, the Farrier Program Instructor. Thank you so much, Steve. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Anytime. Just Th let me know. Thanks, Steve. All right. Appreciate Thanks. It. All right, guys. See ya. Bye. And he is great. He does, he does mean anytime. He's been coming on our show for years. And I mean, I think what you said, Jen called him last night. And yeah. Like, okay. our, our other vet didn't show up. So uh, we had to uh, do do last minute. He always is, is good about that. And talk about a topic. I don't think we've ever talked about Palmer angles before. No. Uh, this health segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast and the Horse Radio Network, now in their third season. Each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year include training Hollywood movie horses, therapy horses helping veterans, and an inside look at traditional charro horsemanship. It's our, all part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. <clears throat> and it just figures, excuse me, that an International Podcast Day, in addition to everything else, I'm losing my voice. So that's just perfect. <laughs> Let's do some weird news then. I'll talk. All right, you do some, you do the talking. Oh, wait a minute. We got to get the weird news. You got to play it again because that sounded like the debate was starting again. Maybe you look at me a little anxiety. <laughs> Do it again. Hold on. Let me get a different one because that did yeah. sound like debate, didn't it? And Give everybody flashbacks. Stage. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you.
That is much better. Well, hey. Um, and if you don't live in the United States and have no idea what we're talking about, God bless you. You're the lucky oh, one. You're so l- Everybody <laughs> knows, Glenn, because people all over the world can't believe that this is what we're having to deal with. Um, the Carlton Athletics and Ickley Town on Saturday were having a it's called a, a football game, which of course is soccer. I believe they called it a pitch game, pitch match. And uh, the game had to be halted because while the two teams were on the field, an alpaca came galloping across the field. <laughs> he wanted to play and, too. <laughs> and it wanted to play. Um, it invaded the, the match and they had to pause it. It's gone completely viral from this town. And uh, yeah, so the um, Claire Armstrong, Ickley's officer and wife of the first team coach, filmed the invasion on her phone and they posted it and it's gone completely viral. She was on a f- the phone with somebody and she's like talking and oh, hold on, hold on, I gotta put the phone down. There's an alpaca on the field. <laughs> Started filming. So just super did the alpaca fun. win? Uh, despite the delay, Ickley actually won two to zero. Uh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> that you would ask <laughs> all right well uh we got to go to florida glenn do you know where opalaka is yeah i think i do and i don't think it's too far from here actually it says yeah it's, well it says northeast of miami oh, the, oh uh, yeah they, it's down more where jemmy lives that's right yeah voted four to one to repeal the original 2007 legislation and 2013 ordinance that some said men and women could receive civil citations if they breached the ban and the ban is nobody's allowed to have saggy pants your pants (laughs) must be fit snugly around your waist and vice mayor chris davis who sponsored the repeal said i was never in support of it even as a resident they had signs glenn around the town that showed two young men walking away with their pants low which Let's be honest, looks incredibly uncomfortable and awkward. I don't know how you walk. Whatever. I don't know either. But again, but <laughs> funny. Uh, the yeah. sign was two boys walking away and it says, no ifs, ands, or buts. It's <laughs> That's pretty city good, law. Though. I want to co- now- copy that sign in my office. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. Well, it just seems a little bit race driven. And they've now, re- I mean, that was my opinion. That wasn't in the article. Uh, but they've now lifted the ban on saggy pants. So everybody in Opelika, put your pants around your knees and go walk around. Don't trip. Now, by the way, I also want to add to that. If you're going to commit a crime, I've watched enough cops episodes now in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. If you're going to commit a crime, the saggy pants option for running away is not the best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're going to get you're going to get caught. Yeah. Maybe have regular pants if you're going to commit a crime. Just saying. Do you want to stay in Florida? Oh, geez. Do we have to? (laughs) Um, I'm trying to figure out where in Longwood. Do you know where Longwood is in Florida? I don't know. No, no, no. But apparently there's a weight conscious three-legged bear. (laughs) It's walking around um, because the home security camera footage captured was of a three-legged bear walked into somebody's open garage. And guess what it took of all the things it could have taken in the garage? Weight watchers, frozen meals. 
a two liter bottle of Diet Coke. <laughs> it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be really disappointing when it bites through that and it shoots up in its face. And it's like this is the sugar. Or maybe he really likes Diet Coke. Coke. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. All right, show us a short one. Move on. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna give you a, a choice here. Do you want to hear about uh, diamonds or snakes? Diamonds, thank you. You know how I love snakes. <laughs> Oh man! In Little Rock, Arkansas, there is a like a park where you can go mine. For, you search for diamonds, you know, like like hey, come on, five dollars, we'll give you a little um, equipment. But apparently, this guy uh, comes to this state park all the time looking for a diamond. He's been going there since he was a kid, but he's never actually found a Nobody diamond. Nobody ever finds finds diamonds. No. <laughs> Until now, he found what looked like a piece of glass. He picked it up, put it in his bag. He discovered a nine-carat diamond. No kidding. A nine. So apparently, you like mine for diamonds. You like so. It took fifty years for somebody to find a diamond. And then they go up to the the the, like. There's like a the park's diamond discovery center where workers will identify your findings and register. Yeah, and you pay uh, two hundred dollars, and they'll put it in the ring for you. Usually, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, but for real, like they, they actually, people do find diamonds, but nothing big. And this looks like a big rock. It's, I don't understand how he, somebody was like, hmm, that could be a diamond. He said he wasn't even going to go, but his girlfriend went and was going to have hers checked. So he's like, hmm, I'll just have mine checked as well. And uh, finding his assessed, uh, they informed him that he had find, found a nine carat diamond. He said he started crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't tell you about the story about the woman that finds a venomous snake in her, um, glove compartment no let's so. not talk about that we'll move past that we did it for, for our 20th anniversary jennifer and i went to the mountains of north carolina in what looked like a place we were going to be murdered uh and we went gem hunting and she found a gem and it's the one she still wears around her neck today so there yeah well it's, is it now a it's about the, no, no it's about the <laughs> size of a quarter of your fingernail maybe oh god that's i don't bad. even know what kind it is but we had it and we spent the 200 dollars to have it polished and mounted in the thing yeah, so, yeah there you go probably would have cost me 49 dollars at walmart to buy the same one but it's the adventure it is. It's all about this hunt. Well, here is a actually thanks, Kayla, for posting this. I actually had seen it in several places because it's just fantastic. Do you know what an African gray is, Glenn? The parrot? Uh, it uh, looks like a parrot, only it's gray. Very good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we'll go with that. So, so you don't know. African gray is a parrot and they talk. They're very good at talking. They're very vocal. Like I would go to the zoo when Lucas was a baby. We had a World Wildlife Zoo really close and I would just push the cart and I would go into like the parrot area and I was constantly trying to teach them how to do I was like, how cool would it be if like people walked in, like all of them started whistling. You'd be like totally freaked out. Um, but anyway, I never got that done. Uh, however, um, you know, a lot of times th these birds outlive their owners and people will donate them to a zoo. Um, well, five African Where they gray found parrots. out they're really noisy and they donate to a zoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, a British wildlife park has had to remove five African gray parrots from public view because one of them taught all the rest of them how to swear. <laughs> <laughs> they get charged like, extra for that. <laughs> literally, it, one person said that um, Steve Nichols is the park CEO and he says, I get called a fat F every time I walk <laughs> past. <laughs> 
He says, for the last 25 years, we've always taken in parrots that sometimes have had a bit of blue language and we've gotten used to it. Every now and then you'll get one that swears and that's always funny and we find it comical. However, uh, they took in five of the same week. They were all quarantined together and it was just a room full of swearing bears, <laughs> uh, b- birds. And he said, it usually makes you laugh, but it started to get a little, he said it sounded like an old man's an old working men's club scenario where they're just all swearing and laughing. <laughs> or like the debate last night. So yeah, exactly. he said the problem is that if they teach the others the bad language, he ends up with 250 swearing birds and he's like, we're going to have to shut down. I think they should have, they're always looking to wait to make money. They should have a separate room. They try adults only 18 and over. You can pay 25 bucks and go in and hang out for an hour. P- you they would sell out. That is genius. Well, they're always looking for a way to make money. They would sell out. They would have to have tickets, and it would be sold out for months. Get cussed out by a bird. (laughs) I mean, I imagine walking up and be like, hey, that sucks. (laughs) I I wanted to cut you off because I saw you going there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is that all the weird news? That's the weird That's news it. again. Since when, let me tell you about the girl in Australia who like opened her glove compartment no, and there was no, a okay. venomous snake in there. <laughs> and now it's time for Dr. Busby's dog health update. Hi, this is Dr. Julie Busby with your dog health minute. Hi, this is Dr. Julie Busby and welcome to this week's dog health minute. One of the concerns that I frequently hear from owners of senior dogs is that their dogs are panting or restless or pacing, especially at night. I just saw a 15-year-old beagle this morning for acupuncture, and that was one of the owner's main concerns, and I knew exactly where she was headed with the story when she started out with this sentence. So she's acting weird, and it's mainly at night. This behavior is not only a concern from the standpoint of the dog's health and well-being, but it's also really frustrating for the people involved because it's difficult to watch our pets struggle, and it's also difficult when we can't get our regular sleep because our dogs are up in the middle of the night. So let's cover seven reasons why this might happen and what you can do about them. Spoiler alert, the answer is really talk to your veterinarian. All right, number one is obvious. It's respiratory disease. If your dog is panting, it may be that there's a genuine problem in the respiratory respiratory tract. And there's really a host of issues that can cause this. But the one that comes to mind, especially for senior dogs, is called laryngeal paralysis. It's actually very similar to laryngeal hemiplegia, which can occur in horses. In both cases, there is a neurologic abnormality affecting the opening and closing in the airway, and the the air doesn't move in properly, particularly on that inspiration, that breathing in. So we call a horse that has this problem a roarer. We don't use that term in dogs, but they have this noisier breathing, especially um, when they're hot or there's an increased humidity. They try to pant to cool off, and they just can't move the air effectively. So that is one reason that a dog might pant, be restless, and struggle a number two is heart disease. The heart and lungs are intimately connected. Anything from heartworm disease to congestive heart failure can manifest with respiratory issues, certainly panting and restlessness. And the first thing I did in my Beagle patient today was grab my stethoscope and listen to her heart. Number three, anxiety and fear. Just like in people, increased rest, um, increased anxiety can cause behavioral changes like dog people may not pace, but pacing, restlessness, just some sort of change in behavior. And I think about dogs with noise phobias on the 4th of July. Those poor dogs are all panting and restless and stressed unless they're, you know, hiding somewhere under a bed. 
So that's another issue that can cause panting and restlessness is anxiety. Number four, a condition called CCD. This is canine cognitive dysfunction. It refers to this gradual onset of dementia-like signs that we see in senior dogs. And one estimate is that 68% of dogs have this condition by the age of 16. So that's a lot of dogs. It's very common and the symptoms tend to be more prevalent at night, like a sundowner syndrome in people. And this is the classic presentation, this panting, pacing, restlessness at night. And there is a lot we can do for these dogs, ranging from a special prescription diet to medications and supplements. So like all of these points, please talk to your veterinarian. Number five, anemia. If a dog or any animal, for that matter, doesn't have enough red blood cells circulating in their system, they're going to have difficulty in the respiratory tract because the red blood cells are what bind and carry the oxygen molecules to the cells. And so it's going to manifest with a respiratory component as the body tries to bring in more oxygen. So one way we can check for anemia is just a simple at-home check is to look at gum color and check CRT capillary refill time. And this is a really good thing to know in your dog and your horse how to do this. On our website, toegrips.com, that's T-O-E-G-R-I-P-S.com, we have lots of blogs that talk about all of these specific points in greater detail, but we have one on vital signs specifically that walks through how to check these and a nice little infographic on what normals are for the dog. Number six, Cushing's disease. Symptoms of Cushing's disease, which is prevalent, I'd say, in in middle-aged older dogs, are panting, sometimes drinking more, urinating more, restlessness, a pot belly. So if this is diagnosed, um, and and it's easy to diagnose, well, I won't say easy, it can be definitively diagnosed with blood work. Um, It can be treated. There's medications, and we've made great strides in treatment over the past couple decades. Um, But again, really classic for restlessness and panting in senior dogs. So if your dog has those symptoms and maybe you know has tends to have elevated liver values on blood work, that's another hallmark. Talk to your vet about Cushing's disease. And last, we have acute or chronic pain. Dogs and animals who are in pain are often restless and they often just don't settle down. And it's our job as their advocates, their voice to perceive this, to be observant. Notice when this might be related to pain, the restlessness, and get them the help that they need. And that's it for today. I hope these um, seven tips were helpful. These are all reasons why your dog may be panting or restless. Again, much greater detail on all these topics on our blog at toegrips.com. I'll see you next time for the Dog Health Minute. And if your senior dog has uh, mobility issues, don't forget that if you go to drbusby.com, you can save 10% on Encore Mobility with the promo code HRN so that you can have more good days than bad days with your dog. We should just buy you a case of that because you always end up with senior dogs. I do have a I do have a pile of them at yeah, this point. You do. My poor little Jack Russell. He just he's he's a shorty Jack. His name is Tank. He's a very small Jack Russell, and he's just like you. If you are more than twenty feet away, you can go Tank, Tank, and you just see him look to the right, look to the left, look. Wait, wait, where are you? He just literally can't see you. But if you're also more than forty feet away, he can't hear you. So bless his little heart. <laughs> I always feel. Chad's like, why won't he come when I call him? I'm like, because you're too far away, and he doesn't know where you are, and he can't hear you. <laughs> so I have to ask you: when we first started this, uh, going back to being International Podcast Day, I'm seeing a whole bunch of posts from my podcasting friends. When we first started this, had you listened to any podcasts at all? 
no, I no, I did not ever listen to a podcast. Okay, so that's interesting. And a lot of podcasts, Reese had not either. He had, she had listened to uh, my maybe one of our shows, the Weg Show, I think, that Samantha and I did back way in back in two thousand nine. And uh, she, she hosts the Dressage show for for like four years before she ever started listening to podcasts. And now she's an avid podcast listener. So if uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. If I pulled up, just pulled up my podcast player on my phone, uh, and I I'm looking through to see if I'm going to pick my top three favorite podcasts right now. <clears throat> so I want you to do the same thing. Sorry, guys, my voice is just hanging in there. Okay. Um, I have Bob and Cherry still. This what this show was designed after that their show, their national syndicated show. You're the Sherry, and I, I, I'm not the Bob. Um, so uh, I still listen to them every day. So that's probably my number one. David Tennant's podcast. I would put number two right now. And then I've really gotten into uh, Mark Murphy, who's from the Food Network, has one called Food 360, where he interviews professionals in the food world and restaurants and stuff. And it's more on the business side of restaurants. And because I started out in a restaurant in my working life, I just find that one fascinating. And then I still listen to Mighty Blue on the Appalachian Trail uh, every week, too. So, all right, what are yours? Um, okay. So I listen to the one I listen to every day. It's a, it's, um, it's a talk show in Atlanta, but it's made into a podcast. So I, I, and I worked with a lot of the people on it. So I know some of them and it's called the Von Hustler, Von Hessler doctrine. Uh, it's Eric Von Hessler and he was a, a DJ when I was a DJ and now he's a talk show host and it's very, um, like he's a libertarian. He says that he doesn't care how you vote. And, but there's a girl on it who does voices and she's so funny. And I just figure that I just am going to steal from her. Uh, <laughs> I you? still listen to. Yeah, oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> if you're stealing from me, you're stealing twice. Um, <laughs> I, I Isn't really that true love of most things in the world nowadays. Oh yeah, yeah, totally own it. Uh, um, but the way I heard it with Mike Rowe, I listen to yeah, every week. Yeah. I tried to get into The Office Ladies. Do you know what that is? Yeah, but I never watched The Office. And I do know what oh. the show is. It's pretty popular, actually. It, yeah, it's really good. I, I, I had to restart at the beginning, and I I need to skip past to a couple seasons later because they're still like in the, oh, my God, totally, like phase where they're still kind of figuring out how to do a podcast. Um, well, well, years ago, it started, and he's a friend of mine, it started with the Blacklist podcast, was one of the first podcasts about a TV show while the TV show was new and running. So every week they would do the episode and talk about the last episode that was on. And now it's become a thing, the newest thing in podcasting is to do a podcast about a show that's ended and you're starting over. Well, it's the office the ladies. It's, it's Pam and Angela there. They actually have real names and they are sitting around do, talking about each episode and making notes about them. And, and it's kind of cool but because I love the time, right to the beginning. They started with episode yeah. one and I'm probably on like eight or nine. But and are you rewatching I, I, with them? Do you know because I first or not? I've seen all the episodes so many times. Oh, okay. I've, I know it's the like ones you're talking Big about. Bang, huh? <laughs> um, Help, I Sexted My Boss is still one of my favorites, although I've taken a little break from that. It's a British thing where guys get drunk and give you life advice. Um, <laughs> I like that. Cabinet of Curiosities is really good. Um, I listen, I do. I listen to Horsemanship Radio. I love that one. And let's see. I 
I gotta be in the mood for the moth, but I'll, I'll listen to the moth. But you know what? I probably the von Hassler Doctrine. The way I heard it, on, I listen on airplanes. So I, I listen can cry when I'm in cleaning private. paddocks. Really? Yeah, it makes cleaning paddocks seem better <laughs> when you listen to the moth because well, usually the stories they either make you laugh or cry. Right? I mean, at the moth. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's why I do it on a plane so nobody can see me. <laughs> oh, Chad just told me that I need to. He just texted me. Apparently, he's listening. Um, he said, "You have what about Ben Shapiro?" Have you ever listened to that guy? No. I swear it sounds like he's on fast forward. The guy talks just like this and he's so fast. Nobody's going to give you all the news. I'm like, I can't even process what he's saying. Turn it off. <laughs> I, I still listen to, I, I, I do listen to uh, the Jim Hill podcast. He's a guy, it's all about Disney. And this guy is a walking freaking encyclopedia of Disney from day one and has made his living being in the encyclopedia of Disney. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to Lou Mangello is one of the legends. and I think he might even be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he does a WDW radio podcast, and I know we have some listeners that listen to him. He He is one of the biggest podcasters out there. He lives in Orlando. It's all about Disney World, and and uh, he's been he's the longest running Disney podcast. How do we get into the Disney <clears throat> Hall of Fame? I mean, the podcast Hall of Fame. What do we have to do? I, I don't know. I, well, we're never going to be in it, I don't think. Um, so he... Uh, I'm going to make that a life goal. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good luck with that. It's like getting in the Radio Hall of Fame. Good luck with that. Um, so he... Uh, he did. I, I hadn't listened to his show in a long time, and I put it on the other day when I was sick because I was running out of podcasts on my player. And he did it. He had an amazing thing happen. Talk about the power of podcasting. You know, he's a lot of listeners, tens of thousands of listeners. And he uh, lost his mom two weeks ago and he came on and he does a show live on Facebook and then puts it out. And while he was doing his live show the week after his mom died, a listener showed up and knocked on his door unexpectedly and his wife answered and she wanted to come in and talk to him. <laughs> Imagine this happening to you. She wanted to come in and talk to him on the air because she knew he was live. And they let her in. Apparently, they at least knew who she was. Uh, they let her in, and she announced that, unbeknownst to him, they they had done a, fa a fundraiser. He'd been doing fundraisers for years for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And he's a big supporter of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, the listeners all got together when his mom died and put a fundraiser together in his mom's venery to raise money to to bring a kid, $10,000 to bring a kid in the family to Disney for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. In a week, they raised $50,000. So he was like bawling on the air. He was like crying. had me crying. Everybody was crying. Uh, but that just shows the power of, you know, when you do the right thing and you're good to your audience, what it can do. And I was just... Proud to hear that podcast listeners, like anytime we have done that, you know, look how they responded for your, for the rescue you work for. We've raised thousands of dollars for them um, mm -hmm. over the years. And it just shows the power of what we do, the person, um, because it's a personal connection with the audience. Well, <clears throat> boss. <clears throat> All right, moving past that. I don't need to crap. <laughs> Come on. By the way, how to get into the Podcast Hall of Fame. Um, there are public nominations, and every nominated person will be evaluated during a selection process made up of the existing Hall of Famers. The requirements were, have been involved with podcasting for at least 10 years. Check. Either as a podcaster or an active member of the podcast industry. Look at you. You can make it into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to tell you why we will not make it into the Hall of Fame. It's run by Podcast Movement, which is the number one podcasting conference. 
which uh, are... Are you in bed with the wrong people? I am in bed with PodFest, which is the second largest podcasting conference and have done their keynote speech for years. And they have had a battle for the last six years. So, no, we're never going to be known. Okay, what's the other one? What's the one that does Pod, the Hall of Fame? Pod, podcast Movement does the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm going to start submitting things to them and make them my friends. So at least maybe I can get them. <laughs> there you go. And I'll bring you along. I'll give you a mention. Did you ever win a radio award? I did. Did you? I did. I went to the Air Awards, which is Achievement in Radio. My first ever. Oh, this is a good story. You'll love this. So this is before Jeff Foxworthy had his resurgence of fame. And I was young, 24, probably skinny lovely 24 year old dressed too. I might add, I've seen some of those pictures. Yeah. I used to have nice clothes and like nice hair. (laughs) It's amazing. Uh, so, uh, it was the achievement and radio awards, which is the air awards. It was hosted by Jeff Foxworthy. Like a pretty city slicker. I did. I had heels (laughs) on and everything. My poor husband doesn't know what he married. He married that girl. And he has this girl now. So lucky boy. Yeah, so Jeff, they, they, it's time for best traffic reporter. The category is best traffic reporter. They had one of Jeff- those. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it was my first year too, so I didn't ever think I would win. So you don't prepare any. I didn't prepare a speech or anything. Like what? So they go up and announce it, and um, it, it, Jeff Foxworthy really opens the envelope and he's like, "And the best uh, traffic reporter goes to." And my name at that time before I was married was Jamie Massey. Captain Herb Emery. And it's a tie with Jamie Massey. You won with Captain and Herb, your friend? Captain Herb. And I tied. God rest his soul. He was one of my favorite people. He's such a mentor. And um, so he went up and accepted the award. And he's, bless his heart, he's, he's like a grizzled kind of like helicopter guy. You know, he's up there like in the chopper, like uh, now we're hovering out. You know, that was him. And then I come up there and I had bought this like super smoking outfit and I get up there in my heels and I strut across the stage and I take my, no, I did not fall. And I take my word and I do my little brief thank you. And I walk down and Jeff Foxworthy comes out there and he picks up the mic and he goes, I don't know about y'all. That ain't no tie. <laughs> and Jeff Foxworthy can get away with that. <laughs> I credit Jeff Foxworthy for starting my career because literally five minutes after uh, I, they finished the awards, Star 94 came up and hired me to be on their morning show. And I was like, Jeff Foxworthy gave me my radio career. I was a lowly traffic reporter until he basically misogynized me on stage. <laughs> But it was That's Jeff Foxworthy. Is me perfect. too, but it's Jeff Foxworthy. Oh my God. Does he have him. horses? We need to get him on the show. <laughs> he does not have horses, but he and I were, he, because he was in, he lives in Atlanta and he did a lot of radio stuff. And this is before blue collar comedy and the uh, kindergarten show. Before he made bazillions of dollars. Well, he yeah. had already done the, you might be a redneck. So he came on the show all the time and would do the redneck stuff. And he and I, I love him. I will love him forever. He's one of my favorite celebrities. <laughs> we need, well, can you get him on for Radiothon? We need to get him on Radiothon. That'd be funny. Oh my God. Because all bets I'll are off go- at Radiothon. We don't have to have to be <laughs> horse people. <laughs> we can get him really That's true. Yeah. Uh, I'll send him an email. I'll text him. <laughs> text okay, him, just, yeah. You know what? I'm going to text him and the queen and see who answers first. <laughs> yeah, see who you get an answer from. 
Well, there's a little memory lane there for our podcast, International Podcast Day. Uh, I need so- to be in the Hall of Fame, dang it. <laughs> get, hey, get your ads in. Last chance to get your ads in for the $500 of the prizes on Friday's show. So get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. If you hang hang around, if you're an auditor for the post show, we are going to talk a little bit about TV today and movies because I need something to watch in my two weeks uh two weeks recuperating here after my surgery next okay, week. Can so I just we're say talk about TV? Can I just say that for those of you who have children, the show I'm sorry, my husband actually believes that there's a very big parallel between me and the lady on the show. Uh, but I. We love it. It's called I'm Sorry It's on Netflix, and it is fantastic. All right. I've been wanting to mention it. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Well, tomorrow uh, is, oh, The Driving Show with Dr. Wendy. So Dr. Wendy and Jennifer helped out. They have a terrific show. I edited that. So uh, a lot to learn there. A lot of health stuff in that show, as usual, with Dr. Wendy as well. And Dr. Wendy's going to be helping to fill in. So thanks, Dr. Wendy. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. See ya. All right. Spade Nuttergeld. There it is. You have one job. Now you're not getting in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Oh, politics are keeping us out of that.